This week's episode is brought to you in part by Mega Knife. Hunter, I could not be more excited than to have Mega Knife on as a sponsor of the show, and I think you feel the same way. Dude, I am such a fan of this site, this shop. It's awesome. They have everything yes they have knives but they also have swords and miniature crossbows what is there not to love about mega knife you know i <laughs> when you're talking about knives you're like yes there's all different kinds of knives you know you can get automatics out the fronts but did you know that a crossbow is one of the types of knives that you can have that is exciting <laughs> to me and they've got a little something for everybody they've got a bunch of fixed blade survival gear they've even got some pretty cool survival sets maybe if you're into camping something like that they've got you know serrateds and hatchets and window breaks and different survival gear whoa, all whoa, bundled whoa, together whoa, whoa this is so much for me to just handle i don't know if i can even pick something what if is there something there for me why yes of course there's the mega knife knife club where you can sign up to subscribe to get different knives shipped to you. Never make a decision again and let the experts at Mega Knife do it for you. That's right. And also, maybe you're not an outdoorsy type. Maybe you're a giant freaking nerd and you don't actually ever need a blade <laughs> for any reason. That's fine too because they got knives for you. They've got CSGO and Valorant replica knives so you can cosplay as your favorite video game character running around your parents' basement. It is going to be <laughs> sick. So... Go over to carpooling.com slash knife right now. That's our affiliate link with uh, Mega Knife. Pick you out a knife and, you know what, pick you out too because you deserve it. And stick around to the end of the show and we'll tell you what the carpooling knife of the week is. You don't want to miss it. You'll be supporting the show. We thank you. Mega Knife thanks you. So check them out and enjoy this week's episode of Carpooling. Tragedy strikes carpooling. Oh no. It's a sad day for carpoolers everywhere. And it, it comes from what I, I would consider this friendly fire. Which is one of the saddest parts, Hunter. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just in a Call of Duty deathmatch, and your teammate just gets the RPG and blows up the ground right underneath you. You're like, seriously, bro? Seriously, uh, hold on one second, because now you've opened up a new can of worms. <laughs> Which Call of Duty game, and what team would we be on? Oh, uh, oh man, I'm not. Because you know I'm thinking we're Modern Warfare 2, but I think we're the Spetsnaz. I think we're the Spetsnaz, though. And it's really not because of any, you know, athletic ability or marksmanship or Russian heritage. It's just that whenever we clear a room, we do somersault a lot. We somersault so much. <laughs> and it, it's something about rotating close to the ground that just makes you want to to use this accent. You get up and you go, it is a surprise for you, my little friend. <laughs> it's, there's nothing more just satisfying. Just like the real Spetsnaz. Yeah, just like the real Spetsnaz. To do that in a horizontally striped shirt, with uh, AK-47, I mean, is there any other way that you can spend a Friday night? That's all I want to know. And I has bandana tied around the left bicep. I don't know why. It is good luck. I am like weird pirate. <laughs> Maybe. How do you Maybe. say? Uh, how do you say a jacket sparrow? Yes, it is me, <laughs> Vladimir Jacqueline Sparrow. 
no. Pirate of the Floor, where I roll around and do the shooting. Uh, yeah, so we'd probably be the specimens. Okay, but listen. <laughs> There's tragedy afoot. Welcome to Carl Pulling. We're glad to have you with us. Carl Pulling, the number one show on the internet. Uh, we talk about philosophy, religion, science, politics. You name it, we talk about it, and then you get fired for listening to it over the Bluetooth speaker that you got for Mother's Day in your office. You really should learn how to manage your Bluetooth connections. Uh, they're not as secure as you think. And all of a sudden, now you're playing WAP over the intercom at the KFC. People are looking at you funny. It's embarrassing. Speaking of digital security, Carl Pooling's Twitter account has been hacked. <gasps> oh, and no. And like I said, from an unlikely source, a source I would consider friendly fire. But it's true. Matt Walsh hacked Carl Pooling's twitter account that conniving banjo slut how could he (laughs) (laughs) never mind yes of course as we often call him conniving banjo slut that's a deep cut matt walsh joke too yeah especially because did you he like can't even play the banjo but has it in the background it's yeah you know you might have realized in the early morning hours of april 48th that we started tweeting exclusively pictures of walruses. <laughs> Little boys dressed up as walruses, too. Just so many walruses. It was all we propaganda. Doing. We changed our bio to say our pronouns are wall are us. That was not Carl Pulling. Those are not the beliefs that Carl Pulling holds. That was Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. So frustrated by his own Twitter being hacked, decided that, you know, well, well, as they say in the military, excrement rolls uphill. So he, so, so he's like, what's a bigger, better target I could take on mm. to, to share this pain with? And, and I, see. Us. I see. Yep. Yeah. You know, you you just gotta you're always punching up, Matt, and that's what we admire about you. But you <laughs> picked the wrong up. you picked the wrong you picked the wrong guys this time. That's right, because um, most of the time you punch up, and it's good because people are too afraid to punch down to look like a bully. Not us, Matt. You <laughs> conniving walrus banjo slut. We'll punch down right back. Not a problem not at all. We we've had documentaries too, Matt. Um, yeah, people know about them. They had titles. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, uh, what is this weird spot on my back? <laughs> that is the of... worst <laughs> the worst documentary I've ever heard in my entire life. That's disgusting. Anyway. It's, it's not great. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out with us. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to get geopolitical today. We're going to get outside the borders of the good old U.S. of A., Before that, I need you to stop right now. I need you to go to your pod catching application and rate the show. Five stars is a minimum. If you can do more than that, try to. If you can somehow change the source code and leave a six-star review on iTunes, I just want to say personally, I encourage you to do that. And then send that vulnerability to Apple 
so yep. that they can shore up. We're not we're not monsters, but only give them the source code if they allow the six star review to stand. Okay, mm-hmm. it's something that we need you to do. Accept no payment. Do this for the show. Yeah, yeah. This is listen. You're uh, you're a vigilante, but you're you're doing something good for the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't have other shows getting six star reviews. Can you imagine if the guys at Pod Save America got a six star review? Mm. I would puke in my own shoes. That's how upset I would be. And I love my shoes. Yeah. I only have two pairs. Uh, They don't deserve it. We do. Do that thing. Do it right now. Leave a review. Tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. And uh, just, just we, you have to do that before you keep listening. Listen, the show is free for now. But if you don't, if you don't do what I want you to do, then... I have no leverage with these people, and I'm realizing it as I'm trying to threaten them. Can we? We'll just block their IP address from receiving our RSS feed. Does that work? That seems like it should work. It's not a technical that, enough when I said it that it's probably true. That's probably true. That's yeah. probably true. And then you'll have to go listen to another show. Yeah. I, I'm, presumably, there's other shows like comedians and cars. Oh God, getting coffee. Yeah. Um Rough. on our on our other show, Hunter, I can't repeat the joke verbatim. Uh but I derived a literary term and I think you'll quite enjoy it. And this okay. will be released on Colt, which we have just finished filming the last normal episode of Colt. We have two special episodes to film and then we're going to release that show under the Carl Pulling family of shows. It is going to be a really good time. So I'm encouraging <laughs> you all to listen to it. Um I can't I can't tell you exactly <laughs> what I said. Because we've had to edit it in that show as well, <laughs> but oh. um, I it was a play on on Chekhov's gun, and you can just let your mind wander freely with with what that was. And the statement was: if you put the gun on the counter in the first act of the movie, then I'm going to shoot myself with it by the third <laughs> act. Trying to describe how bad these these cult anime films were. Rough. So I just thought you would enjoy it. That's a new like literary toolbox that you can uh, the tool in your literary toolbox. You could pull it out and use it. That's blank Hoff's gun. Well, I like to I like to always set up expectations like that and then completely disregard them because it shows how clever I am. <laughs> oh man, someone has been reading uh, some some post romanticism literature over here. That's right. You're a real genius now, Whitman. Yeah. The okay. fight will be in the tower. Psych. It's in a parking lot. <laughs> the What is a t- parking lot if not a flat tower for cars? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Hunter. Yeah. Now that we've ridiculed multiple literary geniuses. Yeah. Deliver unto me for our prearranged status the roadkill post haste wow it has been a spicy monday as the kids say um first which kids uh the kids that do wing night on monday i'm gonna get chris hansen out of jail to come talk to you about this bit (laughs) but i don't want him to i need him to stay where he is but what if you and chris hansen team up and form like A, nope. a league of especially unextraordinary gentlemen. Well, I guess we could do that. We're pretty, you know, 
unspecial. Chris um, Hansen is the funniest story in the entire world. That the guy who was famous for catching child predators got booked for child endangerment yeah. is just... It's it's hilarious and also a good reminder that every unchecked strength is a weakness. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, so today's been a weird spicy monday wing night bash um tucker carlson's out at fox news and what's crazier than that is don lemon on the same day is fired from cnn um but that's not what today's roadkill is about that's just a coincidence uh what we really need to understand is this update cnn says don lemon lied about the way he was fired so Don Lemon said that nobody at CNN reached out to him, that nobody wanted to talk to him, that they just simply uh, told his manager that he was fired. I believe in one of those three things. It wasn't true. No one Uh, wanted to talk to him. That part is true, Hunter. No one wanted to talk to him. (laughs) Well, so here is a tweet from CNN Communications. Uh, Don Lemon posted this long post saying like, hey, this is what happened. This is terrible. I can't believe this has happened. All my respect to the people I worked with. And then CNN Communications posts this. Don Lemon's statement about this morning's events is inaccurate. He was offered an opportunity to meet with management, but instead released a statement on Twitter. Mic drop. (laughs) So... (laughs) this is okay listen okay i've got a lot of thoughts about this actually we're never getting to the show today we're never getting to the show first of all there's no such thing as coincidence that's god coincidence okay (laughs) do you remember that no it was like the same brand of person that said like oh don't say holy cow because only god is holy right sometimes say like like coincidence saying that there was a coincidence was too super supernatural or superstitious and so they would say there's no such thing as coincidence only god coincidence and i was like hmm i i have you've just violated me in a chris hansen-esque way (laughs) is how i feel i know people who would say there's no such thing as luck like would get on to you and say good luck well there's no such thing as luck. pray for me and it's like okay but I've never heard the God coincidence. That's that's a whole new level of pain and suffering. It's super boring. Yeah. Also, yeah. guys, God believes in luck. Look at what happened to Job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you rolled a natural one there, Job. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> that's tough. Listen, listen. It's not everybody that has a big family and a big herd that Satan walks up here and starts mouthing off about. And in retrospect pretty unlucky also sometimes god might have been busy doing other things but on that particular day he was keen for a little sport that to me seems unlucky and i don't think anyone would begrudge joe from saying listen god whatever you choose your will be done however i do feel as though i've been a little unlucky All right, so fair, so good. We settled the luck God coincidence thing, and we got it. We're going to come back to that because big things are shaking up in the media landscape world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like me saying, "No one, no one will go out with me." Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I've turned down seventy-five girls in my Tinder DMs. Yeah, insane. Like, Bud, you you just have to. You're gonna have part of having a conversation with people, and I know that Don Lemon's strong suit isn't listening. 
Uh, well, well, and he's getting older. He's not in his prime anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a callback, okay? I'm not being ageist, although I'm not against it. Old people are dumb as hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. We didn't offend them yet. Thank God we took care of that. <laughs> That's, Listen, that's if, great. If you're old, go to evanxfit.com and see if they have anything for you. They probably don't, but it's a, it's a good last-ditch effort. Mm. Um, so, anyway, uh, he he has to pick up the phone in order to have an explanation. Uh, I, I cannot wait until CNN becomes racist for this. I feel like we're... We're just a, a hop, skip, and a Kaepernick away from him recapitulating his entire time there as somehow racially racially infringed. Getting a contract from CNN for their primetime slot is basically slavery. And it just slowly transitions to Don Lemon like working on a chain gang by sitting at his desk at CNN. <laughs> oh, you, I see. I was just using Kaepernick euphemistically, I, but no. you actually think he's going to be executive director on this project? <laughs> I, I think there's a Netflix documentary coming out from Don Lemon about how CNN is slavery in 2025. You know, have, like. Have I talked recently about Colin Kaepernick going back and, and crapping on his adoptive parents? Yeah, I think you literally did that probably our last episode. Um, I just so, I just hate Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick so much. Yeah. In yeah, a Christian a, a Christian hate, you know? Oh. A, a warm, glowing Christian hate. You hate the sin, not the sinner. I get it. Yeah, but mostly I hate him. <laughs> so however the, look, however you got a rules lawyer that one out. <laughs> but I mostly hate him. Okay. Um, <laughs> And Fair that's enough. no God coincidence. No, no, it is not. Man, Baptists, what are you <laughs> going to do with this? Uh, okay, so here's here's the other thing, though, and this is not my joke. I wish this was my joke, okay. but with Tucker and Don both out of the you know the biggest the rival media conglomerate of all time, mm. uh, on the same day, Hunter had a great point earlier that this looks like Tucker and Don Lemon are teaming up to form their own super network. Yes. And then, uh, one of, one of our good friends, friend of the show who has been on the show before commented in a, in a text chain we were in that we, it should be called pucker up (laughs) with Tucker and lemon. And that is so good. It's good. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, I would watch it. I mean, I would watch it. What would be great is to see Don and Tucker interview each other. Like they would interview someone on their own show, but like going at it at the same time, like mm-hmm. const- just like that, that much hate and vitriol at each other just for like an hour. I think that would save our country. I think that would actually get us back on track. It would be the hour of hate. It, the hour of hate. It's like, look, what can unite us? How much we hate each other. That's a beautiful Thanks, point, Hunter. Thanks, I think, Tucker. I think everyone should pucker up for Tucker and Lemon. <laughs> this is a great <laughs> skit. This is this is great. Someone make this. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, yeah, not not us. We lack the skills. Only the comedic talent. We'll yeah. write it for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's it's going to be it's going to be pretty fun. Now, I I think I don't know where Don Lemon will land. I I actually imagine he's about to make the podcast circuit. Yeah. With all these people who have no journalistic integrity whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, podcasts. But <laughs> I, I, I'm 
Tucker quit. He didn't leave. And so there's a couple different ways I could see this going. One way is that he's mad that Fox settled and he he yeah. thinks that they're they're weak and so he wants to go, you know, rah rah macho somewhere else. The other side of this is I think he might actually feel some profound shame over the leaks that happened where it basically came to light that he was he was lying to his audience. He was basically forwarding this election was stolen theory that he doesn't believe in. And I would totally be ready to forgive him and would love to hear what he has to say if he came out and said something to the effect of, look, I was pressured to say things I didn't believe and I caved to that pressure and that was wrong and I'm sorry. And now I'm going, you know, hither and tither to tell you exactly what I think. I think that might be a really powerful move for him to make right now. Yeah, you do. That's an interesting point, Chris. And it's one of the things here. Here's one answer to that is like, well, that email has been out for a while. Why need you to do it sooner? Um, I know a lot of people are putting a lot of connections to what's happened with Tucker and Dominion voting, but they're both, everyone's really tight lipped about it at the moment. And that might change in literally the next hour, but I, I'm really curious as to what is the thi- what what is the piece of this that has changed? Um, what changed Tucker and Fox's relationship? I, I, have you seen anything definitive there, or or is it or is it, are you kind of like saying like it's probably this Dominion stuff because that's that's the you know that's in the news that's the zeitgeist right now that I'm just curious. Yeah, that's all speculation I th- uh, for me right now. But and, I, and good I, speculation I, at that too. Like, I mean, it. Yeah. It, these things uh, are like coinciding. That you know, it look if it smells like a duck and it quacks like a gut duck and it burns like a duck, it's probably a duck. Unless or, it's trying to look in the windows of a local elementary school, then it's probably Hunter Biden. But the, to your Chris point's Hansen. well taken. <laughs> or Chris Hansen. It might yeah. be Chris Hansen and Hunter Biden in, in a, a two-man duck costume. <laughs> That is a big duck. How did that duck get so big? It's literally bigger than a door. <laughs> Can't even I'd fit in a like, door. <laughs> I'd like one ticket to Trolls 17, please, Quack. <laughs> um, Awful. Anyhow, uh, probably Zootopia 4. Sorry, that would have right. been a more timely reference. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's pure speculation on my part. To your point about the fact that the email had been leaked for a while, mm-hmm. that is valid. However, I do think that making any moves around Tucker would have been way more complicated before this got settled. That's fair. You know, it looks yeah. like an admission of guilt. Yeah, it looks fair. like so. The, I, I think there's a bunch of considerations where now that it's all know, over, maybe they can kind of part ways amicably or whatever. That's they right. Want to do. They settled last week, and so now there's no there's no external pressure complicating their decision making i don't know that's that's a thought that's fair so anyway i i uh i'm excited to see where it goes and the i mean the best scenario is pucker up becomes real but more than likely we're just the the next two years are going to be interspersed with these clips of don lemon calling everyone at cnn racist from some no name you know, Afrocentrist podcast probably that you see from time to time, like the same circuit that Kaepernick's doing right now. Yeah. So. Well, it's it's probably true. You're going to see Tucker on the conservative uh, ring of shows too, right? Like, does he go to Louder with Crowder? Does he go to Ben Shapiro? You know, does he? Uh, 
Megyn Kelly? Does he hit all these shows? You know, does well, he get a job at MSNBC and then say she... something that blackface is okay and then start his own thing? There's <laughs> just no way to tell. Hunter, you just said you just said the magic word that really means we're not getting to the show's topic tonight. Oh no! Um, do you remember our our episode that we did about Crowder Hunter? I'm sure you do. Yep, yep, is a good one. So, and and we basically came down with. Crowder was being completely unreasonable and the Daily Wire was was in the right. Yep. Well, Dave Landau just quit Louder with Crowder in perpetuity. Oh, wow. Stephen tried to send him an NDA with a sum of money attached to it to not talk about what went on. And Landau said, you can go stuff yourself. Wow. And he told everything about it on Michael Malice's show. So I just, it was like two hours long. I watched it over the weekend. Have yeah. you seen any of it? I, I haven't. No, this is, I'm all fresh to it. I, I've, I have not delved into it. Uh, is there any juicy deets that you could There's fill me in on? There's a ton of juicy deets. And okay. I'll just say this, that Crowder to me looks like he is either a unmitigated narcissist bully Mm-hmm. Or he is going through some kind of nervous breakdown right now. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, one or the other. So let me try and summarize this as best I can. But Dave started on the show, I think, in 2021, and he said for a while things were were fine. Yeah, he was he was going to start recording this special. His special's out now. Dave's special is out. It's called a Prison Ten, which is. A hilarious joke in and of itself, if you know what he's talking about there. Because Dave, in this special, tells his whole life story. talks about his mother's suicide, hitting rock bottom, getting clean, going to prison, doing all of that. I mean, it's a very personal special to Dave. Mm. And Dave is a, is a hilarious working comedian. If you have a chance to go see him, I'd recommend it. But he he tells the story of his, his time. A lot of it was in being incarcerated, so that's where the joke is, a prison 10. Super funny guy. Um, but as he's putting the special together, Crowder's like, hey, I wanted to start getting back into stand-up. Do mm. you think that you could you could help me punch up some material, uh, do that kind of thing, and then I'll help you advertise the special. We can promote it on the show, this and that. Yeah. And and they said, they they agreed to that. Which is eventually what spawned the whole Rebels with a Cause, Comedy Tour, all that kind of stuff. And so, during that process, effectively, Crowder started getting super concerned with being funnier than Dave. Which he's just not. Dave's just a better... I mean, that's not everything that... Crowder has a strong suit, and comedy is definitely part of it. Yeah. But he's not a full-time comedian. He's got a lot more that he brings to the table. Right, Dave is right. hilarious. You know what right. I'm saying? But maybe All not Dave is trying host. to do is be funny. Yeah. So yeah. Dave got in trouble for telling a joke. Uh, Dave, they installed a light, which was the Dave don't talk light that apparently Crowder could push when he wanted Dave to shut up. They wouldn't let Dave in reversal in rehearsal so that Crowder could get to the punchlines faster. It was just a ton of these things that started happening, basically trying to suppress Dave's funny and enhance Crowder's. And then this on is the all night, on the show, this is on Louder with Crowder. Yeah. Then yeah. on the night of the special, Dave Landau's agent shows up for the taping of it. And apparently he actually showed up to sign Crowder. 
So he's Dave's agent signed Crowder, and that is the same agent that was instructing Stephen in his contract negotiations with the Daily Wire. Oh wow! Which and they lied to Dave about Crowder being signed. Dave eventually found out, but at that special, Dave had. Steven open up and then one other comic open up that comic was staying with him over the weekend it was Super Bowl weekend 2020 I believe and Crowder told uh, Crowder couldn't do ladder with Crowder on Monday so so Dave asked if if he could host it with his buddy the his comedy uh, comedy friend that opened up for him at that special taping sure and he Crowder eventually said, or initially said yes, but then right before the show, somebody comes up to to Dave and says, hey, by the way, your friend can't do the show. And Dave's like, that doesn't make any sense. He texts Crowder. He's like, hey, just making sure you already told me that so-and-so could do the show. Just making sure that was still fine. And Crowder texts him back like, what's done is done, Dave. And Dave's like, what in the world are you talking about? So he calls him. He's trying to get an explanation out of him. Apparently, Crowder starts freaking out, yelling, I own you, and and you're mine. You work for me, and this is my show. To like start taking him down the line, saying all this what crazy, insane stuff. Yeah. And uh, Dave just, just basically had enough of it. Long, long story short, that kind of treatment of Dave goes on for a while. They kept making him be in the office on Fridays and they would no show on him like Gerald and, and Steven would no show on him, but still expect him to be there. Um, through the discomfort that, that rose between them, uh, they eventually terminated Dave's existing point to point contract and tried to give him, uh, make him either an employee or a, a, give him a different contract for working there and talk about unfair contracts. So for no increase in money, they were increasing the amount that he had to write for the show and the amount that he had to film for the show, including starting his own Friday spinoff special thing for no additional money. And then, and then they made him, they made him notify them in advance. If he wanted to take any vacation he had to be in the office every weekend. He was allowed to apply for vacation every other third weekend. So <laughs> to have one weekend off every six weeks. And then there was a tardiness clause that explained that he wouldn't be paid if he was five minutes late. And there's all kinds of Holy insane cow. draconian nonsense in it. And so he's negotiating that contract and eventually says he won't sign either of them. And that's when he sees Jeremy's response video going line by line through his contract. And he's like, this guy's screwing me on this contract. And meanwhile, he's pretending like he is a victim of this contract that Jeremy's willing to read through every point of. He's Holy like, cow. he's like, Steven wouldn't read through the contract that he showed me on air. He'd look like an idiot. Mm. And so and he also said that apparently it's a common practice now of Steven's to record his phone calls. So anyway... It was just go watch Yikes. Michael Mouse's podcast about it. Dave, it, Dave was very respectful and understated. I actually think that it makes him sound more credible because Dave, it looks like he had ammunition that he was unwilling to shoot, but he showed screenshots of the contract marked up in his handwriting and all kinds of all kinds oh, of wow. craziness. So, so he actually had receipts too. He wasn't just. It wasn't all just what he was saying. Hearsay. So did 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 Crowder ever respond to that or I haven't that... seen it yet. This just got released like 
like on Friday or or Saturday. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So so maybe it's Crowder's, only been a day or so. So maybe he's doing something like now on Rumble or whatever. But yeah, he might be. I haven't watched his show honestly since he did the Daily Wire thing. But anyway, yeah, crazy, crazy update. And boy, for the carpooling crowd, doesn't it just feel great to be right? Yeah, for real. Uh, you know, it. You know, one of the things that's just insane about the the new media landscape is the fact that. Um, a lot of people who are not experienced are getting a lot of power, you know? And I mean, the daily wire was in somebody's garage, you know, a couple of years ago. And now it's a huge business, right? That creates films and edits and releases tons of media throughout the entire just ecosystem. And it's just like, you know, you kind of saw what it was when Ben Shapiro was the show, you know, and now right, it's right. something completely different. And some people are going to be able to handle that with grace and because they have experience and they understand what's going on. And some people are not. And unfortunately for Steven, it sounds like he's in the latter category, which is just really too bad. Yeah. Um, well, th- I mean, that's l- listen, this is a tale as old as time. This is what happens to child stars. Yeah. Yeah, that's just fair. kidding. He wasn't a child star. He was the voice of the brain. But that, that <laughs> anyway, counts. That it, counts. I watched a lot of Hey Arnold. And I almost nope. got the name of the show wrong. <laughs> you did get the name of the show wrong. Is it not Hey Arnold? It's Arthur, it... you goob. Well, you know, you win some, <laughs> you lose some, you know. So <laughs> Try yeah, to fly close to that sun if you can. It's pretty wild. But but yeah, Dave Dave uh Dave actually comes out looking like the most principled one of the bunch, which is kind of crazy. Wild. So uh, which no one would have ever suspected dave yeah. included i'm sure if dave was here he would not take offense to that he'd be like look i didn't think it would be me either <laughs> anyhow um god bless him i'm glad he stuck i'm glad he didn't take the money i'm glad he because well, and here's the real thing too just to get off the steven crowder louder with crowder topic but mm. quarterback garrett doesn't has an nda sven computer has an nda jared monroe has an nda i mean uh, yeah, this might have been going on for a really long time, and it just so happens that Dave is the one who doesn't doesn't take the the deal. I'll tell you this too: uh, Dave and Quarter Black have a new show on the Blaze. Oh wow! It's a comedy sketch. It's like a surrealist, absurdist comedy sketch show. They released the pilot. It's called Normal World. You can go watch the pilot right now on Dave's YouTube page. It's offensive, but I th- thought it was funny. But yeah. that shouldn't surprise most of our audience. But regardless, they are taking that show, maybe with a little bit of content cleanup, back to the Blaze, which then recastigates this entire thing between Steven and the Blaze, too. Yeah. Uh, kind of hard to say. It's weird that Quarter Black is going back there after he left, left to, you know, Ladder with Crowder. So, right. anyway, big big moves in the conservative, conservative media landscape. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's enough jibber jabber. Of other stuff? Yeah. Let's yeah. jump in to today's top story. Yeah. We should have a cool top story stinger. Top um, story stinger. I used to listen to Beyond, and they would always go toss, 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 toss. It would be uh, topic. Oh, no. Uh, I can't remember. It was like topic of the show, topic of the day, something like that. And then they would say the acronym, but it's been forever. But that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a long time ago. But let's not we're do not, that. We're not that coordinated. Nah, nor, no, no, no. or nor are we that secure in our masculinity. No, that too. 
Very fragile. Yeah, absolutely. Why are you gay? I, listen, <laughs> uh, I'm not. You are gay. Okay, you got me. All right. So today we want to talk about. Well, there's really only one way to call this this topic in. Today we want to talk about. Don't trust China. China is asshole. That's right. We're going to talk about all things China. So, I've got like a billion articles and and pieces of media pulled up. We'll get to all of it, but China has been moving and shaking in a heretofore unprecedented way. And so we want to talk about the geopolitical landscape as it involves China, their ties to some of America's top enemies, and what we think the future and the dangers and the results of China's new positioning on the world stage will will be so hunter do you want to give folks an overview of of what is happening and what we're going to break down today yeah i i think one of the things to to consider is you know if you go back and you look at you know countries gdp you know china's kind of a no-show uh kind of not really on the board until recently like really recently like more recently than you're thinking um like we're not talking 30 years ago we're talking like 20 or less years ago right we're Pretty, pretty close to where we're at today. And one of the major reasons for that is the fact that um, they a lot of manufacturing, everything you own, is made in China. And China has learned to really make a profit off that and essentially kind of piggyback off uh, capitalist economies while still maintaining their socialistic outlook. Uh, many people thought that as time went on, they would have to adopt more and more capitalistic uh, structures and more and more freedom as they got more goods and services from other countries. But it really hasn't happened. And what's really happened is they have grown exponentially uh, while not losing any of their communist roots. And so when we think back to the um, uh, to the Cold War with Russia, which also wasn't that long ago, probably not as long ago as you were thinking. I was actually born on the day that the uh, Soviet Russia fell, which is a weird but true fact. Uh, when and Gorbachev, you just doxed yourself. Yeah, come get me. Uh, when Gorbachev uh, basically said the USSR is no more, you know, that, that was my birthday, which is weird. You know, I can always picture that, you know. I'm, I was never in a world where that existed, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, China kind of comes back around and kind of making some cold war moves in the world that we're in today. And the thing that's a little interesting about China is they play the long game, you know, and how long are we going to be playing this game? When are they going to make their move? Who is the United States right now? Is China's strategy working? Is our strategy working? All that's kind of today's show. Um, And I think staggeringly, we're seeing some changes that are upsetting and startling too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the one of the fundamental things I want to talk about are what what are the the elements of China's positioning on the world stage right now that have real ramifications for the United States and for maybe global hegemony as such and why why did those take place and maybe by understanding the symptoms we can understand some of the cure. So Let's talk specifically about, I think there's three, maybe four areas we can break this down into, Hunter. Mm-hmm. And so the things on my mind right now are the strengthening of the yuan. So yep. the yuan is, is 
on the ascent currently. Uh, and there's some economic block questions and some challenges to the G7 in new and unexciting ways. Two, there has been a legendary peace deal brokered in the Middle East. And no, not by Jared Kushner, but by China. And we should look at that because China has never before flexed its diplomatic, its diplomatic muscles in such a way. And that is super concerning to me. And third of all, I this is it's an amazing it's an amazing timeline. There's no way we're going to get through the whole thing, but China, let's just say for the past month at a minimum and additionally before that, China has been involved in military exercises. Ooh, military exorcisms. exorcisms. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Don't look that gift horse in the mouth <laughs> too quickly. Uh, we'll put a pin in that, but we might come back to more military exorcisms. Yeah, we might uh, need them. We might. A M1 Abrams tank possessed by the spirit of Zozo. How huh. will we ever be free? <laughs> I, I know. I watch that movie. It's like in the, in the horror movie where there's like they're looking around the room and then all of a sudden their mom who's possessed by yeah you know some evil drowned scorned woman spirit is crawling on the ceiling yeah they're like looking and around she's the room. smiling and her head turns around 180 degrees yes yeah yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. but it's just an entire stank on the ceiling yeah, yeah <laughs> just like cannon rotates yeah there's blood dripping out of it out of the end oh that's a haunting picture yeah all right so okay okay but be still there's a catholic priest <laughs> the power of Christ! Oh, oh no! Oh dear! Oh. My abdomen. Well, we're anyway. outside now, which is a plus for horror movies. Um, yeah. Okay. Not exactly so, but the way we wanted to, but this military article, exercises in the military exercises in around above Taiwan. Yeah. Every day of the week, and so plus we they're getting kind about- of spicy with Japan too. You know, like. It's just a weird time in that Pacific region. It's a weird time. China would love nothing more than to reinvade the Imperial Island. Yes. That'd be such a moral victory for them. Yeah. Yeah. And Japan can't win because all they have is samurai. It's sad. Yeah. Well, that and anime. And listen. <laughs> that might work. You're not, you're not bolstering my confidence in the troops when part of your standard issue is a body pillow. Okay. All right, so, Hunter, which one you want to talk about first? Uh, I just hope we never mention Japan on the show again because I'm a little worried now. Um, <laughs> let you know, I, I think the, the the let's do the boring bit in the middle. Um, let's talk peace deals and then let's talk military because that'll be spicy. So, okay, peace deals, boring money, and then war games. What do you say? I, I buy that. Okay. So. China, I'm reading a headline from time.com. China just brokered a historic truce between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Can it do Ukraine next? Hunter, do you have any do you have any uh, background on this on this specific peace deal that you can share with the audience? Now, I don't know a whole lot of details about this specific de- uh, peace deal, but I do think it's important to think about Jared Kushner 
and Benjamin Netanyahu and the Abraham Accords that have happened prior to this, because this is a really relevant piece of the story. Um, what Benjamin Netanyahu, Jared Kushner, the Abraham Accords, what they accomplished was they uh, brokered peace deals with several uh, Middle Eastern countries in Israel, not Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia was kind of next on the list in an alliance against Iran. They saw Iran as this big player in the Middle East who was trying to get nuclear weapons, who was a threat to everyone, not just Israel. And perhaps there was some benefit to everyone working together for not being afraid of Jews and Muslims and pooling their resources, entering into trade agreements, saying, aren't we friends? Why can't we be friends? And if you join up with us, we're Israel. We've got a good shot of taking down Iran if it comes to that, right? We've got good backing in the United States and elsewhere. Um, Saudi Arabia and Iran are kind of the two power players in the Middle East, right? And are both kind of afraid of each other to some extent prior to this deal. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it looked like Saudi Arabia was in a really good position to make an, to be the next country in the Abraham Accords. Um, and what what's happened now is because America has kind of poo-pooed the Abraham Accords, poo-pooed our relationship with Israel since Trump has been out of office and left uh, Afghanistan in a completely disgraceful manner, China has essentially come onto the stage, has trade agreements with Iran and Saudi Arabia, and has begun to broker deals between them, saying, you trade with me, you trade with me, why not join up with us? You know, we can provide a backbone to what you're doing, we can provide some coherency, we don't think you guys necessarily need to be enemies, and Saudi Arabia and Iran, who are the two power players in the region, minus Israel, are like, that sounds like a great deal to us. And so, it's kind of strange, because now the Abraham Accords, uh, were essentially all pointed at Iran and one of the reasons Saudi Arabia would have been able to join. And now it looks like you kind of have a power uh, alliance happening in the Middle East between these two very powerful uh, Middle Eastern countries in China. So it, it kind of really offsets a lot of the things that were going on in those Abraham Accords. Yeah. So let me let me give a little context here because this isn't simply division between economic rivals let's say mm -hmm. the rivalry between iran and saudi arabia runs deep and it's a religious rivalry so in iran you have the shia muslims and in saudi arabia you have predominantly sunni muslims and you'll remember back in the abraham accords saudi arabia well not saudi arabia sorry the united arab emirates normalized relations with israel which was a huge deal. Now, part of the reason this is a huge deal is because the UAE, even though it is multicultural, it, it, it has a large Sunni Muslim popula population. And generally, there's broad support in Muslim populations for Palestine, as opposed to Israel. Now, Saudi Arabia is a next door neighbor of the United Arab Emirates. And although they're more, let's say, culturally homogenous than the UAE, they still share most of the same faith-based beliefs as they are a primarily Sunni country. Now, the Sunni-Shia conflict is a deep one and a bloody one. In fact, many of the wars that 
do take place, the skirmishes, let's say, that do take place in the Middle East are these front wars between Tehran and Riyadh being fought out via proxies in Syria and Yemen. You'll, you'll remember the, you know, in Syria, the Houthi rebels were a group backed by, by I believe, Riyadh in that case, although I could have those switched backwards, uh, against the government which was siding with Tehran. So there's, there's this proxy war nature to the two sects with these internecine conflicts between many different different countries and governments in the area. So this is a, a deep, old, bloody conflict that exists between these two countries. And those are the two countries that just allowed China to broker a peace deal between them. And if you think that that the the sunni muslims warning up to israel was a unlikely story shia muslims warming up to israel is an impossibility and they the brokering of peace between the sunnis and the shia around the nexus of saudi arabia most likely locks israel out of future deals that would be my assumption uh with those groups so China did something that the U.S. was not able to do, and they are, like like I said, flexing their diplomatic muscles. This is no trivial matter, what they they've really, managed to do. They really shifted the power in that region, too, because it was like, okay, Israel and Saudi Arabia, kind of like the United States, will kind of do what they want to do, will kind of support them, and that's kind of the new world, and Iran is kind of on the outs, right? Iran is kind of like the redheaded stepchild, right? Well... Now Israel's kind of looking at it and going, oh, well, what do we do? You know, I, I think it was Benjamin Netanyahu was saying, you know, a couple months ago, he's like, I can have a deal with Saudi Arabia tomorrow. It's like, no, you can't. Not anymore. You know, they have a deal with Iran and China now. And it's like, it's it's completely different world that we're, we've stepped into. And, you know, it, it begs the question, Christopher, if, if the um, Democrats had given more credit uh, to the Trump administration and had been less partisan on Israel, you know, would we have a different world in the Middle East today than what we do right now? Would China have less of a foot in the door? Would we already have the Abraham Accords with Saudi Arabia? But because you can't give Jared Kushner the win, you can't give Trump the win, regardless of the benefit it provides in your foreign policy that you just allow China to step in. I mean, it, it it's kind of insane. Um, right. But that's where we're at. Yeah, and it's it's long been understood that that Crown Prince Mohammed is it Mohammed Mohammed bin Salman Mohammed bin you're Salman. You're very close, but I don't know if you're exactly correct. I'm pretty sure that's right, but I could be wrong. Jamie, yeah, double check me on that. There's no way her robot voice is gonna know. This is gonna be hilarious, though. Okay, Mohammed bin Salman Al Saud. I like it. Why not? If I need to, <laughs> just keep that on standby. If I need to say it again. <laughs> I'm just gonna have. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. You ready? So it's long been understood that Benjamin Netanyahu and Mohammed bin Salman Al Saud have been on decently good terms, but I, I think this changes radically the power structure there. Yeah, uh, and and part of the issue too is that even though the leadership between Israel and Saudi Arabia were cozy with each other, uh, reportedly. 
that didn't reflect necessarily the feelings of the Saudi Arabian populace. Right. So I think that this this makes things way more difficult in the Middle East. But here's the biggest issue, in my estimation. The America is no longer seen as the policy leader in that area, which we were just a couple a couple years ago. Like a month or two. Yeah, which is, is sad. And I think part of the reason is because we've shown unbelievable weakness. We looked down our nose at the Abraham Accords. We abandoned our duties and our our individuals in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, and then we abandoned the, the Kurds. And then we basically just decided to throw money at the Ukraine problem while they fought a proxy war for us, which has emboldened China on the world stage, obviously. I think that American weakness opened the door for this kind of this kind of thing to happen. So uh, what can you say? I think that the Middle East is a less safe place uh, with China hanging out in the wings because we know we know what China is like and we know that China's goals are not America's goals and China's goals uh, run roughshod over human rights when they need to mm. so okay anything else to add about about that deal no I I think I think yeah I think you kind of hit it there on the head with you know the fact that you know China's in charge which is kind of strange kind of weird kind of not good kind of a cold war problem you know not, Abs- not absolutely yeah but um just we just different walls mr yeah. gorbachev tear down that cave it doesn't have the same ring it doesn't have the same ring even reagan <sighs> couldn't say it right yeah Sorry. okay so what are we talking about next bricks yeah bricks so you know this is you can probably understand this but you know, the dollar is essentially what people trade in. It's the most valuable, stable currency in the global market. Um, that's made our debt really attractive because people have wanted dollars. And so they've bought dollars and, you know, it makes it easy for us to have a strong, stable currency. Um, you know, this is kind of funny. I did a study abroad when I was younger in Europe and the euro was at one8 uh, dollars at that point. So I was losing money. I was almost spending, you know, whenever I exchanged my money, I was, you know, for every euro, I was almost spending $2. It was expensive, right? It really cost a lot for me um, to be able to buy stuff over in Europe. But that was now, a great explanation. I think the poor people who listen to our podcast are really going to benefit from that, Hunter. Thank you. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but But now that's more like a dollar. And so what you've seen is the dollar has either has basically stayed stable while the um, oh, I can't even remember what they call their money. The euro. There it is. I probably <laughs> even said it earlier. I was like, it's not the Europe. That's weird. But the euro has just decreased in value and value and become worth less and less within 10 years of my life. Like it's just, you know, dramatically lost value or dramatically lost value as compared to the dollar. Um, well, one thing that's been great about that is it's assured Americans that, you know, inflation won't sit in on their money. They can buy what they want in pretty much any country they go to. And it's also sure that China is going to gobble up those dollars and take on that debt for us and given us a good way to continue our growth. 
Well, that's kind of changed. There's the BRICS countries, which are the not the first world countries, uh, you know, the Brazils of the world. And they basically started a new agreement to start trading in the uh, yuan, which is the China, uh, the Chinese currency. And so, well, now they're not going to be using our dollars. There's less demand for our dollars. It makes our dollars less stable. Uh, it makes our debt uh, worth a little bit less because there's less people to sell it to. And it's quite stunning because this has not been the state of the world for, you know, 50, 60 years. You know, ever since World War II, it's kind of been the dollar that's been ruling the show. And that's not true anymore. There's some countries where that's going to change. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about this. Yeah. Here's a headline. I, I'm, this is this is from oilprice.com. Is that a reliable website? Don't care. China be. settles first LNG trade in Yuan. Now, Hunter, what does LNG stand for for a cookie? Uh, looking no group. Okay. Uh, li- <laughs> liquefied natural gas is what it stands ah, for. Sure. And the reason that oil is so critical here partially relates to the last story that we told. So yeah. let me tell you a story about the BRICS. The BRICS were a theorized economic trading block. When the term was first coined, they didn't actually formally exist. However, they consist of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, which was added on a little bit later. Apparently, it was just brick when it started. But those countries were linked because they were determined to be the fastest growing economies. And by the year 2050... Uh, I can't remember who it was that it was uh, economist Jim O'Neill. Jim O'Neill said that these that these economies by 2050 were going to rule the world, that they were going to be the predominant forces in the market in the global market because of the rate at which they were growing. And so that's a that's a big deal that and we know that those countries have been developing and have been increasing their GDP, et cetera. However, now we have a, another interesting layer to add on to this issue, this economic issue that's happening around the yuan. So when you have Brazil, Russia, India, and China, and South Africa together, you have a large portion of the world's oil supply contained in that group. Not all of those countries export oil, but they do export quite a bit of oil. Now, what's happened in more recent years, after the the BRICS term was coined, subsequent to that, these groups actually have gotten together and involved themselves in a more cohesive, more formal trade block. And actually, they are kind of seen as the, the geopolitical rival to the G7, which for those of you who don't know the G7 block... It's Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, United States, and the European Union. So if you're keeping score, the good guys. No, I'm just kidding. Well, historically, I'm both kidding and not kidding. I don't know why we let Germany in. But, oh, and Japan. There are Jungian shadow. So, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, here's an interesting thing that was happening to the BRICS here. Two, two stories, right? One, now... Uh, China just bought liquefied natural gas in Yuan. 
from the Middle East, and you have them brokering peace deals between Saudi Arabia and Iran. If you add in Saudi Arabia and Iran to the BRICS countries, you have virtually all of the world's oil supply contained in that unit. Not not because they are the only ones that could supply oil, but they're the only ones that do. And in America, we're too cowardly to to drill our own oil because we suck holistically toe to tip. We won't go nuclear. We won't drill for oil. We just freaking suck because I think every single American president talks big on oil and then decides that they want to be president Vladimir Putin's pretty little girlfriend. And they put on a tutu and a wig and just does whatever the old Soviet dog wants them to do because we have enough oil here to supply our own energy. In fact, under Donald Trump for a while, we were we were energy independent, ener- a net energy exporter for yeah. the first time in like forever, and we promptly reversed all of those decisions. So, we've got a major vulnerability around energy when we re- regret our own global hegemony and won't drill our own energy. It is a dumb play. And now you have an entire trade block opposed to the G7 and growing faster than the G7 that is controlling the supply and the price of oil. And additionally, they're starting to transact in the yuan. If the dollar is not the currency that's being used by these giant global markets, especially these giant growing global markets, who should want to be allied with us for sure, uh, we've got a major economic crisis on our hands. And all mm. of a sudden, it might not be the whole world goes the way of America. It might just be America goes the way of America. I say all that to say, and this is a little bit of a transition, but within the G7, President Macron from France, which I know, yeah. I know, we don't have to care. He's named after a dessert and not even a particularly good one. But President Macron just come out, came out and said that we have to be careful not to follow... United States into conflict with China around the concept of Taiwan because the United States is going to do what it needs to do and we have to do what France needs to do. Effectively taking a anti-G7 position on Taiwan, which is ignorant. I mean, if Taiwan goes, so does the West. But regardless, that is the state of play here where we're seeing a increasing solidarity between the BRICS and a dissolution of the G7. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's such a good point. And I I think, you know, just another term for people to know here is OPEC. OPEC is basically uh, a Ponzi scheme. No, it's not a Ponzi scheme. It's basically like an oligarchy of oil-producing countries, right? And a little bit before this deal was... It's basically a cartel. It's basically a cartel. Basically, what the OPEC says is, hey... Uh, we're producing too much oil. Let's produce less oil so that it'll get the price where we all need it to be profitable. And everyone goes, check, that sounds good to me. No problem. We all agree. And so they produce less oil, thereby driving up the price of oil. Um, just before this deal kind of got uh, ratified between the BRICS, OPEC had um, decided that they were going to produce less oil. And kind of made that announcement to everybody, and you may have seen it at the pump that prices have gone up a little bit. Um, guess who's a big member of that? You guessed it, Saudi Arabia, right? And like they kind of more or less run the show. That's not a hundred percent true, but they're a big part of it for certain. 
Um, and so what we really see is some weird uh, solid relationships developing in the developing world and in the Middle East and some people moving in similar directions while America loses uh, the trust it has in its partners. You know, you see these countries that are hungry, that are wanting to grow, that are wanting to make new deals, that are wanting to do things in their own way, Chris. And the thing that's shocking is the West is constantly going, but what is a woman? Hmm. You know, and like we we're not we're not growing. We're almost we're whittling ourselves to pieces, right, to try and prove our moral superiority to gain power within the system we already exist within. We're trying to live out our days in luxury all the while. There's people with not great intentions that are coming for our are coming for that wealth. Um, you know, in Saudi Arabia, either women can't or they just got the right to drive. Right. You know, in some of these countries, you know, there's you can have public executions. So, uh, you know, so I mean, they're not perfect either. I get it. They're moving too fast as well. Sure. Well, and then <laughs> nice. Thanks. Nice. You got me. You got me. And, you know, China with the weakers. I mean, there, there's some really dangerous patterns in these countries that, that are not good and things that are objectively not happening in the United States. But what what are we doing? We're having these arguments. Uh, France is going to have riots because we're going to move the retirement age back two years. Like they you worked know, in the first place. It's such like a they joke. Even worked, you know, and so like. It's a weird world that we're stepping into. You know, it seems like the people that are hungry that want to grow are on one side of the fence, and the people who typically were in that uh, were in that block and who you would categorize in that are on the other side of the fence. And if history is a model, once you put on the slippers of luxury, you start to go downhill. And somebody who's a young whippersnapper, somebody who wants it, they take your spot. You know. So anyway, the slippers of history. Well, slippers I think of that luxury. But the the young the boots of history the slippers of luxury and the yeah. sword of the spirit and nope. my axe I think that brings us very nicely into I am not left handed <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that brings us very nicely into our final story yeah. of the day and that is the unprecedented amount of PLA activity that's been happening around the Strait of Taiwan and in Taiwanese airspace. Now, what's the PLA, you ask? The Chinese, not so much for subtlety, but fantastic at euphemism. It's the People's Liberation Army. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. It's a good one. It's a good one, Xi Jinping, or should I say, we need the Pooh Bear. Mm. Uh, Got it's, him. It's uh they uh, I I'm just going to start reading cuz this just is obscene how much has happened since the event that basically kicked this into high gear. Now there was some sporadic activities and mobilizations around Taiwan, but back at the beginning of the month President Tsai, the president of Taiwan was traveling through the United States, and during those travels, he met with Speaker McCarthy. And that was framed as an alternative to McCarthy going to Taiwan. Uh, basically, good for McCarthy, good for the American government. They decided that they were going to meet with the president of Taiwan at any rate. Uh, during those meetings, Taiwan started 
experiencing Chinese mobilizations and military drills. Uh, and they basically have continued on since. So on Sunday, April 2nd, there was multiple, multiple uh, vessels that were pulled into the, the Taiwan Strait in the East China Sea, including destroyers and a frigate vessel. They also received delivery of many armored vehicles, which are necessary for rapid reaction combat, including rapid deployment and mobilized assault missions, were, were stationed on the coast. On April 3rd, an amphibious assault vehicle carried out a joint sea air exercises in China's Guangdong province. And Guangdong is the province that effectively almost immediately borders Taiwan. There's, there's two, two provinces that kind of split the difference there. Um, then on April 4th, 14 PLA aircraft and three naval vessels were detected around Taiwan by the Ministry of National Defense. And two of the aircraft entered Taiwan's Southwest ADIZ, which is their effectively their sovereign airspace, their demilitarized airspace. Uh, this goes on and on and on. On April 5th, China announced a three-day special joint patrol and inspection operation in the central and northern areas of the Taiwanese Strait. And the PLA Navy Shangdong aircraft carrier passed through the Bashi Channel and into the waters off the Taiwan's southeast coast. Uh, I'm skipping most of this. On April 7, uh, the the uh, Chinese military announced live fire drills would be head be held off the no North coast of Ping Tang Island on April 10th for 13 hours. And it covered approximately 15 square miles at its closest point. The exercise is approximately 30 kilometers or 19 mile miles from Dongzhu Island. So uh, this has been going on. I, I won't bore you with any more of this, but this goes on all week. In fact, uh, maybe I can include it in the show notes, but you can look at the insane spike in military exercises. And in the in the period of April, there has been over 90 individual, 91 individual exercises performed by the PLA in the Taiwanese region with many, many, many of them involving aircraft that purposely cross into the into Taiwanese airspace. So effectively they are afraid of no one. China China is full on poking the bear and while Senator McCarthy meets with the president of Taiwan, they feel completely safe to to carry out military operations above a sovereign country that the United States is identifying with. So they're, they're not scared of Taiwan. That's very clear. And they, they have intentions to be tough on Taiwan, but they're additionally, they're not scared of the United States at all. Mm. They're not well, scared of our intervention one bit. And how could you be? Cause you've seen what happens in Afghanistan. You've seen what happens in Ukraine. I mean, you know what you're going up against here, right? If there was a time to strike, maybe it's now. You know, maybe it's right now. Uh, you know, it, honestly, if I'm if I'm China, I'm thinking through this. I'm thinking through the next, you know, presidency. 
do I need to get this done before 2025? Or do I need to wait till Biden gets reelected in 2025 and then have a couple of years to get this done? You know, do I right. not want to rock the boat too much and have them have the Americans elect a very pro-war president to come and deal with me? Uh, or do I want to wait? And, you know, it seems like maybe they're trying to get this one in before Biden's out. Uh, you know, who who knows? That's that's obviously speculation. I would if I were them. I mean, Trump drops a couple of Moabs in the desert, turns some sand to glass, and then you didn't hear a peep out of Russia or China for the rest of his mm-hmm. presidency. And now we let a couple of our allies in the Middle East freeze, clinging desperately onto the landing gears of our sh- our aircraft as we run away, and they all of a sudden feel emboldened to do just about whatever they want. Yeah, and let's not kid ourselves. This isn't about a sovereign country. I mean, this is a great thing to think about what happened with Hong Kong here recently, you know? Absolutely. Not really a thing anymore, and those people, you know, earn so much love and respect and just hope from many of us watching them in their riots uh, and protests against China and just look where that's gotten them there don't exist anymore you know taiwan is next on the chopping block and um not only is it a a democratic people who's you know a free people who doesn't want to be integrated into a tyrannical authoritarian regime um you know taiwan produces semiconductors they're basically it as far as the world's concerned you know what would really really be terrible if china was in charge of all the money if they were in charge of all the oil and they are in charge of all the computers. You know, what if what if they did all three of those? And they're setting themselves up in a way, not necessarily to do that completely, but to be a major player and have major alliances in all of those realms. Um, you know, that's why you're seeing Congress act so strongly in the United States to pass uh, acts that provide funding for semiconductor manufacturing here in the United States. If I was Taiwan and I heard that, I would be scared to death. Because it yeah. sounds like it sounds like America's going to figure out how they can do it so they can stop having me around. They're going to figure out how to make their own semiconductors so they don't have to keep me safe from China. Uh, like that's, that, that's what you would have to take away from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, competition isn't necessarily going to help out Taiwan. Let's put it that way, you know. And so, it, it, it's it's a very strange place where we find ourselves in, and I I don't I do not think we have the fortitude as a country to deal with that. Well, why? We're way too distracted with ourselves. We're mm-hmm. way too distracted with our petty little squabbles. We hate each other way too much to do anything about or anything united and concerted about China, right? And so that's a perfect time for them to exercise soft power. And, and this this is precisely it, Hunter. And and this is this is what I want to talk about. I think the, really the reason why I think this matters and, and how it relates to the people listening at home and the people not listening at home probably in a more fundamental way but this is why you mean you like cannot... people driving right yeah well and also <laughs> everyone in the government this ah. is why you cannot resent american hegemony mm. and and it is it is an active evil for you to resent american hegemony america is not a perfect place we will never be a perfect place but I defy you to point to a single country on the face of planet Earth that has done more for the globe's impoverished, for human rights, and for civil rights than this country. Yes, we 
own slaves, and so did every other country on the face of planet Earth. Yes, we interred Japanese during World War II, and so were the countries that we were fighting and some of the countries we were allied with. I'm not making excuses for those things. What I am saying is that America's capitalist ideals have brought more of the world out of poverty in a shorter amount of time than any economist would have thought possible. That America's dedication to a Judeo-Christian ethos not only uh, not only ended slavery in this country, but ended slavery throughout much, much, not all, uh, we'll get to that, much of the world through its influence, that America's ideals for freedom and for liberty stopped the tyrants of the 19th and 20th centuries from pouring over their borders and conquesting through individual sovereign countries. America has a great track record of being a force for good in the world. And now we sit around and we talk about how it's racist and we talk about how it's evil and how the military is mean and that we're empire building and colonizers and we resent the hegemony that we have. We, we even look at our founding as a cruel act of evil against the native population that we just pretend was an idyllic, peaceful, you know, Edenic culture before we arrived. Right. When the reality is much the opposite. This world is a is a dangerous and brutal place and it requires dangerous and brutal players to be in it. But America is this lovely experiment or was this lovely experiment where we became the most dangerous and the most brutal and we, we directed it towards a little bit of good. And that's truly a miracle across human history. And I'll, and so I'll say this, this, this is why you can't resent American hegemony. Remember, you remember, you silly liberal wokester morons, how much you hate slavery? Right now, today, there is somewhere between 1.5 and 3.5 million people being held in arbitrary slavery in China. This is what the Chinese government does. This is what the PLA enforces. The People's Republic of China commits heinous Geneva Convention breaking crimes across the world stage. They do not care. All of the horrors of re-education centers and concentration camps are alive and well in northern China. Including, estimates say, 497,000 Miners. And not like Chilean miners, but like Chris Hansen miners. Oh my gosh. That's what that com- country does. How many slaves are being held by the United States government right now? How many? Where are they at? If the answer isn't zero... Either you have some great documentation to provide or you're a hilarious conspiracy theorist. When America has power on the world stage, we liberate the slaves and we liberate our people and we liberate others. When China has power on the world stage, they incarcerate and they destroy and they re-educate and they violate. 
This is why it's an act of moral evil to resent American hegemony. You had we we had better wake up. We had better wake up and realize that what we are living through right now is the death of a miracle. And we need to stop resenting the fact that we're powerful and start appreciating the fact that we've directed it at doing some good and we ought to con- we got ought to contest evil and we ought to boldly fight evil where it shows itself and a country that has potentially up to 3.5 million people in con- a concentration camp in modern day slavery in North China to me is an evil worth fighting so if you don't like slavery so much, now's a good time to be for a strong America. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about, you know, about George Washington's quote about not to get entangled in foreign wars. And you know what? That's a really good sentiment for a country that's starting out, especially one where coming from Europe and all the wars that used to happen there. Um, that's not the world today. You know, the world's changed in some dramatic ways. And really, since World War II, there's uh, one person on the stage that's really trying to fight for the little guy to keep things, uh, keep free people free and make sure that authoritarians don't get to take over more places. And that's an American idea that it's good to be free, right? Or it's at least an idea that America signs up to. Um it's a, you probably, it's a Jewish idea that America's a, adopted. Sure. Um, you, 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 definitely want, you definitely want that to exist, I think, if you enjoy living in America, right? You want more of that, more freedom, more ability, more access for people. And, you know, it, it's terrifying to think that a country that just, you know, imprisons people because of the things they say brainwashes them, makes them go on TV and reads, uh, you know, staged uh, statements, scripts so that they don't so that their families don't die, um, that we would not want that country to prosper, that we would not want that country to be a big player in the world, that we would want America to stay on top so that more countries could experience freedom and all that. Um, it, it's it's a weird place that we're in right now because that's been such a given since 1945 and now seems to be in the balance. It seems to be in the throes. It feels like we're in that Cold War era again. Um, you know, one of the reasons that America is where it is is abs- absolutely because of technology. It's absolutely because of what we've done with the internet, computers, and also, you know, the nuclear bombs, right? I mean, that's pretty much settled us as our place in the global economy as it is right now. But um, another piece of that is seeing right and wrong, you know, fighting against slavery in our own country and not letting that just be okay. You know, make paying for that in the blood of our own citizens, right? And mm-hmm. and the sacrifices made there. Going to fight wars in foreign countries because of the cost that would have to the free peoples of the world, right? Um, sorry, Germany. Um, you know, and taking care of those actions. Even going against Japan as they're running through China, uh, t- killing them and hurting them um, and getting things done like that and protecting our people too. Um, all of that is part of America. All of that is part of what we're, uh, we've been on the world stage since we've shown up. 
And it's scary to think of a world where that doesn't exist because mm-hmm. what power would take its place? Well, and um, Hunter, you're, you're great. You're completely correct to bring up George Washington's quote. But I think he's still right. I, I think he's still right. Don't get entangled in foreign wars. There's The problem is now There's very it's very hard to determine what specifically is a foreign war and what is a domestic war. Uh, it's hard that, to isolate I, Taiwan in such a way. But I'll also say this. American leadership that doesn't reject American hegemony and resent American hegemony has prevented more wars than the America that is unwilling to fight has created. It's it's like everything in the universe. It's counterintuitive in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But your our willingness to fight removes the necessity and our cowardice creates the necessity this didn't happen under trump this didn't happen when we were willing to turn a couple sheets of the desert into glass this happens when we show our neck and we ought not show our neck that's the one thing that i can say about freedom the worst thing about freedom is the pathetic caliber of people that it produces because it's so good it makes us weak well, I think that I think this is kind of going to where I was trying to head there is, you know, we have the technological marvels and everything like that, but it's actually wisdom that you need right now. It's the wisdom to engage in a conflict or not engage into a conflict to grow beyond what it is your fathers have told you and the simple paradigm that they operated and worked to win and how that doesn't fit the modern context anymore. How, as you're pointing out to, what is the domestic and the foreign affair that we need to involve ourselves in? What mm-hmm. is the, tr- the true part of that statement and what is the part that isn't true anymore in a sense, right? And so I think what we were really seeing is an America that cannot understand what are the important battles anymore and what are the non-important battles anymore. And we have to, we have to fix that if we ever hope to be the policeman, if we ever hope to prevent foreign wars, if we ever hope to be involved in this in a proper way. And strangely enough, the Cold War did focus us in that way. Having an enemy, someone to shake a stick at, got us focused. But we made mistakes. We kind of got off track. We kind of overstretched. We didn't go as hard as we needed to, and sometimes, and we went too soft in place, or and we went too hard in others, right? And so it's that, it's that piece of it that we should have been focused on. You know, this is this is something I was thinking of while I was on my walk the other day. Is you know how many people saw themselves growing up as I hope I can get a good paying job so I can just sit and do whatever I like for the rest of my. Uh, adulthood and finally get to just do my dreams there and it's like that is a thought that was not thought about america in the space race mm-hmm. you know it wasn't yeah. it was about going somewhere it was about accomplishing something it was about becoming a great country about adding to that about making your life a part of not necessarily that destiny but making your life a part of uh something more than yourself and so many people want to sit in their luxury today and that that leads to this decadence and this lack of meaning and this lack of wisdom. And well, is it coming home to roost finally? And that's what we have to ask ourselves. And so don't let it come home to roost. Do something important with your life. Don't be satisfied with just going and doing your job. And, you know, unless that's providing for your family and that's a great thing, you know, go ahead and do that. But try to accomplish something to make your country better. And in a way that you see it needs to improve. Mm-hmm. Not not in a way that's arbitrary or anything like that, or not in a way that's 
you know, unfocused. But and the first you know. way to do that is to tell the truth. No matter what yeah. you're doing, tell the truth. Exactly right. That will at least help you to see the avenue in which you need to improve it in. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this too. If you tell the truth, you'll it, the next thing that you should do will present itself to you. Yep. Because the truth is uh, it's a light and it illuminates things that are around it. And if you can't see the path, tell the truth it'll illuminate it and and maybe that means you you miss an opportunity or at least you think you miss an opportunity maybe it thing, means things become harder at work not easier at work but we have bigger things at stake here so yeah yeah well said hunter uh and as part of that the blade of the week this week is a blade that at least appears to be made in china um oh dang it so that you can return it to its sender Nice. You heard me. Join up. And uh, that's all I got. Hunter, nice. you got anything else for them? Uh, follow the show, man. Go to at Carl Pulling. Go to at Emotional Carl and at Chris X Carl. You want to follow all those things. You want to learn what we're doing. You want to see the great uh, stuff we're putting on Twitter, like words and uh, sentences. <laughs> and sometimes we even have question marks at the end of them, so they're interrogative sentences. It's great. Come and join us. You got to go do that right now. Like us, review us, tell us what you want to hear. Leave it in a review. Leave it in a comment. Additionally, we, we have we have um, a bunch of exciting things that we're working on over the next month for you all. I can't talk about any of them, but I I will just say that today I got the biggest Carl pooling news that I've ever gotten. So uh, we are quite excited about that um and we'll we'll have more to say as the weeks go by so that's that's uh super sick now we're signing up with the young turks listen if you are a Uyghur muslim okay and you currently think that you're free living in a suburb of Uyghuria, wherever you guys are from careful and, <laughs> careful <laughs> and <laughs> All of a sudden, a bald blackman approaches you with a tiny pair of sunglasses and two pills in your hand. You may be leaving, living in a Chinese internment camp, and you might want to get tested. Okay, suck the landing.